and welcome to episode 70 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards, the conqueror of the Galgastan in Tactics Ogre. I beat it! Nah! Yay! I, I guess I was supposed to clap. Yeah, you should clap, because that was Yay. like 20 hours of my life. Yeah, 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 beat Tactics Ogre. So, uh, yeah, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, it took us so long to get a podcast going, but, you know, life has kind of happened for all of us. Lots of job stuff going on, just whole lot of missed opportunities, including trying to get a podcast together with my friend over here, Stephen Meyerink, and him just being like, no, nah, man, I can't. See, I was hoping you'd say, and I'm joined here today, so I could say Drew Carey, host of The Price is Right, but you uh, ruined my joke. I'm so, sorry. Yeah, that's I'm that's what I do. Sorry, Steve. The Price is Right was on the other day. Dun, 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 dun. Steven, introduce yourself. Uh, Stephen Meyerink, Taylor's on the boards. All right, all right, all right. How you doing, sir? We haven't talked to you for a while. Pretty good, pretty good. You know, just uh, you know, playing video games, rocking the grad school thing. I think there's more to it than that, but yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's the one I want to talk about. I know. Uh, Derek, what's going on with you, sir? I'm Derek, and I'm Embryon on the boards, and uh, I don't know what, what have I been doing. You have also, been also playing video games. Hey, that's I, not bad. I guess, and like you know, writing things for RPGFan.com. Your source for RPG everything since whenever we were founded. Back when Derek. it was a lunar site. <laughs> Derek, you are my what Denzel Washington called his friend in training day. <laughs> oh, God. I, I don't understand the reference, and I won't respond to it. King Kong do. ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> it's a good movie, but I don't think it's Denzel's best performance, I gotta say. Like, didn't he win an Oscar for that? He should have, but... Yeah, I think he did, and that that wasn't my favorite Denzel performance. I still gotta go with Malcolm X. That was... <sighs> Man on fire, but we're oh, veering yeah. wildly off topic. And you mean the best Punisher yet. movie ever made? <laughs> Black Punisher, and it was awesome. I do love that movie. Rest I in never peace, thought of it that way. I know. Uh, yeah, so we got some games to talk about today. Um, yeah, Steven, Steven seems to have a game he wants to talk about, so I think I'm gonna have to mute myself while we... Uh, what is this, like the 18th time you've played Kingdom Hearts? That was, the brief, that was the brief moment of me mentally counting. Oh, no. Just to be sure. And no, it's not quite 18 or 19, but it's 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 been a significant number of playthroughs, I will say. Are we say talking that. double digits? Yes, easily. Like, But that's not like me. Like, I beat the first one. I beat it with all the three different character classes. Oh and then, really? Oh no, no! Because I really, Steve, I liked it. I was playing it. And then, uh, that was when it first came out, and then it got really bad when Final Mix. Well, all right. So, and then I, I only beat it three times when it first came out. And then after I hacked my PlayStation so I could play Final Mix Plus when the second one came out, I was like, well, I have it here. I might as well, you know, get Final Mix. So I got Final Mix, and it's not quite as good as Final Mix Two because there was way more added. But you know, I ended up beating it. Quite a number of times, because I was an undergrad, I had nothing better to do, and I liked Kingdom Hearts. So I was like, well, you know what, I'm just going to beat it with all the character classes again, and on proud mode, and now I'm going to try to do it at low level, and so on and so on and so forth. Rob's I was eyes big... are glazing over. Yeah, yeah, Rob's just like, blood is spraying out of his nose. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, did, did he just see Zero Suit Samus walk by, or? I was going to say, brought it back. Yeah, there we go. Uh, now, so this is Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 Final Mix 378 over 5 day. What What is it? What is 358 over 2, get it right. The title of the game is Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 Remix, or right. something like that. Some combination of those terms. 
Okay. And it's called 1.5 because it has the two in-between games. It has the PS2 version of Chain of Memories in HD, and then it has all of the cutscenes from the first DS game which was put together, which is actually good because, in all honesty, the effort they would have spent put it, making that game a PS2 game or a PS3 game is not worth it because that game wasn't that good. Exactly. But the yeah. story was interesting. Like, having the cutscenes cuts out all the parts that you don't want to experience. Because there were a lot of, like, fetchy things, like, hey, go back to this level you went to 30 times and get a thing. And it was yeah. it was lame. And it was kind of like the controls were clunky. But yeah. the story itself was actually a, a, a good story because it was focused on some characters instead of a bunch of insanity. And I even wrote in the review, that's pretty much where the story started becoming insane. Uh, so it's it's nice to have that there for comparison with the first one and for Chain of Memories because it still is good cutscenes to watch. And then they redid... The majority of music. Them. Yes, yes, they voiced them. Although I think they were, weren't, they were voiced in the DS one, weren't they? Or no? I don't remember. Uh, I don't either. Either like a few were or none, but I know that, they yeah. weren't all voiced. Yeah, because they went to the to re-record more dialogue. So it's the best way to experience three five eight over two days, if you ask me. Because again, I love Kingdom Hearts and I don't really care for that game. But uh, yeah, they re-recorded all the music with live instruments. It sounds fantastic for Kingdom Hearts one. Uh, and then they redid important songs from Chain of Memories, like the final boss theme, which is amazing. And then they took some of the boss battle themes from 358 Days and put them into the cutscenes. So that way, like, if it was relevant, you could still hear a cool song. And they re-recorded some of those. So, uh, yeah, it. this is Kingdom Hearts 1 Final Mix. So it has some new abilities, new keyblades, new, a little bit of new side stuff, a secret boss, uh, extra ending and stuff. So, like, you know, if you've never played it, and you do like Kingdom Hearts, that's well worth it, because all the new content is entertaining enough to warrant another playthrough, I think, especially if you want to play it again. It looks gorgeous. I mean, it it's a it's a really... I mean, in my opinion, I think it's a testament to the art design in the game that it looks great in HD. Like, it, it doesn't look hyper-realistic, but everything looks really sharp and colorful, and it's pleasant. It's not like, oh, this looks so dated. It's, oh, yeah, you know, well, other than the character models, but we'll get to that. But yeah, it, it looks great, and... The new abilities they added are sort of like the precursors to what they added in Kingdom Hearts 2. Like, they help Sora get around a little bit faster and make his movement less clunky. Like, you get a move... In the original game, if you were near an enemy but not quite close enough to hit it, you would just swing and kind of impotently miss and... That's a good word for it. <laughs> yeah. And in Final Mix, you get a move called Blitz, where when he if, he, if you're just out of distance, he'll, like, shoot forward and hit the guy. And then you get other... Other abilities that sort of like lead into like the combo finishers they added in Kingdom Hearts 2 and that sort of thing. So it's not quite as fluid as 2. So it's, it's, if you really hated it, you're not going to like it now. Uh, but, you know, if you liked it or if you liked Final Mix like I did, it's worth playing through again, I think. Um, and plus, now you can fight the secret boss that was never released in English. So, you know, there's, there's value there for that one. And then Chain of Memories is mostly unchanged, um, but it looks super pretty. And, uh, Again, they re-recorded some of the dialogue. And some people love that game. Some people hate it. I think it plays great. It's difficult and can be re repetitious at times because of how the worlds are built. Like, it's not quite as RPG-ish. It's more like, hey, go into this randomized section of rooms and fight battles. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's, it's, an, it's an entertaining story as well. And, again, before the series became insanity. So, <laughs> Yeah, I know, never played the uh, PS2 version of that. I absolutely despised the Game Boy Advance version, though. Like, See, you might... I don't know if you've played it yet, because I know you have it, but it's... 
the reason I think it's the best version of Chain of Memories is because on the on the Game Boy Advance, it's more card than it is action game because you have this like 2D plane and you know, it's kind of like with Dragon's Crown or like a beat 'em up where it's difficult to line up your attacks sometimes and yada 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 and like doing special attacks there just weren't enough buttons to do like because like when you do a special move you do a certain combination of cards like if you do a five a seven and a nine of Keyblade cards you'll do like like a super attack that jumps in the air and attack and does things and there was weren't enough buttons on the Game Boy but the PS2 version you have the triangle button you have all those extra buttons. And the combat basically is a card-driven version of Kingdom Hearts 1's battle system, but with, like, a little more fluidity to it. So it plays more like an action RPG just with card battles. Uh, so if you don't hate card battles, and, you know, so you might like it. I mean, you yeah. wouldn't like well, it, but... Well, I don't, I don't hate card battle systems. I remember when they were a really big fad for a while, and I got really sick of them. Um, Lost Kingdoms. Right, Lost Kingdoms, Botan Kaidos, uh, Fantasy Star Online 3. Botan Kaidos. Yep, and although, Lost Ocean. Although, in their uh, their defense, some of those games were actually good. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, they were fine and everything. I just got really sick of that fad, and then they kind of died out again. So now now I'm a little bit more receptive again, but I just felt like... I felt like Kingdom Hearts uh, Chain of Memories on GBA was one of the worst card battle systems I've encountered. So, like, I'll, I'll try the PS, well, PS3 version now at this point. Yeah, uh, I just I, like I, I'm not. My expectations aren't high anymore. So I, I saw the uh, update for the Kingdom Hearts One graphics, and it it definitely looks very impressive. You can tell that they put a lot of work into it. This is no uh, Silent Hill HD collection or anything oh, like that. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Square Enix, I think, wins the medal for best HD releases. Like real. Look at look at FF10. Look at FF10. That game looks gorgeous. Yeah, FF10 is like a whole nother level. That's of, true because yeah. they've gone back and re- they they haven't just upresed everything. They've also worked on the textures. That's something I was gonna hold up and, the Metal Gear collection but no they didn't upgrade the texture texture. yeah and the character models and they re-record the music in their games so this isn't just we made it sharper this is we kingdom hearts i don't know if they did any texture work but they're using the most recent versions of the character models like from dream drop distance so they look you know they're more polygony and their fingers are less square uh so you know it looks great like it's you're not going to confuse it for you know the last of us or something but it's totally different art style anyway it has a better frame rate than yeah at least it's clean yeah, it's clean, it's got a constant frame rate, and it looks and sounds like they have revamped everything. So it's not like, for considering the game is 40 bucks and you're getting two games and the cutscenes, which are the best part from another one, uh, it's a ridiculously good value. So, I mean, if you've ever been curious about playing Kingdom Hearts, I would say it's worth having it. Um, and in my case, there was no question of me having it, so... Would you recommend it for somebody that has Kingdom Hearts 1? Like, I, I guess for me, like, I, I don't see any need to replay it. If I wanted to replay Kingdom Hearts, I would just replay Kingdom Hearts 1. Uh, I would say replay this because in addition to the graphical tweaks, they also... And you have the new stuff from Final Mix, like the secret boss battle, which is super cool. Uh, you have the... Um, you have Proud Mode as difficulty. I don't think that was in the original. I don't remember. Um... But you also have, they took the fourth command slot, like the context-sensitive one, and it's no longer on the command menu. It's now you just press triangle like you do in Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh, okay. Uh, and then yeah, they, remap, they remap the camera to the analog stick instead of the triggers. So, yeah, they, they just they did a lot of small changes that you wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, my God. But when you're playing it, you're like, oh, I, I don't want to go back to the old version because this is more convenient. Yeah. There's no and, question. Yeah, and I mean, it looks and sounds better than the original. Like, there are a few purists that hate the new sounds because they're different, but honestly, I think that's just your well, nostalgia getting in the way. Yeah, and I think that the uh, in this in this instance, it's just kind of like they've been re-instrumented, whereas with 
Final Fantasy X, X2 HD, they rearranged the music. Yeah, um, I've, exactly. I've noticed there's, 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 you know, they're, they're pretty close to the originals. They're just higher fidelity, and maybe, you know, the instruments sound a little different because they're clearer. But, like, yeah. if you listen to 10 HD's music, like, they straight up rearranged a lot of the songs, which I love everything I've heard out of that, but... If, yeah, if but it, it, you know, it's against it. I would say like that makes more sense than King of Hearts. Yeah, so if you're like a purist, you'll be like, oh, it's different, especially in ten, in ten HD. But in the in the case of this, I feel like the so- all of the songs sound better. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Does so, any, uh, you know, I'm not being a negative, you know, Nancy. I'm not being a poopy pants. Yes, you are. No, 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 no. I think I think they did put a lot of work into it. I'm just a little confused that this is coming out now. It's. I would say safe to assume that Kingdom Hearts three is a pretty far way off. Like maybe. Well, they already said they go. It's they go. It's years into the future. They were like, we're not even close to getting started in production. Like they said, you know, we announced it because people wanted to know that we're working on it. We are working on it. They were like, we're not even touching it until we're done with ten or fifteen. Yeah. So I, I have a. I don't know. This this just seems like a weird time to bring it out. I guess it's kind of like a. Well, hey, think look about at this cool way. thing we were working on. You know what I mean? Think of it this way: Are you talking about three or one point five? One point five, yeah. Well, look at it this way: Late next year, they'll release two point five, and then it'll come out for us the following year. You think and we're gonna? Then, are, are we getting two point five, or is that the plan? Like, all right, here. If you're super concerned about credit spoilers, don't listen right now, listener. The credits are literally HD footage from Birth by Sleep, Kingdom Hearts uh... two, and Recode. And they've said, they go, yeah, buy 1.5. If you do, we'll make 2.5. And I'm like, yeah. which and pretty much translates to they're going to make 2.5. The much stronger set of games, too. Like, I yeah. far and away. Like, uh, I, I got to say, for all my complaints about the Kingdom Hearts 2 storyline, I really, really like the game playing Kingdom Hearts 2. That game was a lot of fun. And see, that's a sell that I would tell you to get. Like, yeah. the first game, I, I, I'm not I'm not blind. I understand. The first game can be clunky. The world design is not perfect. I mean, I, I think it harkens back to a different type of world design, just to throw Derek a bone here. Derek, I know you said, we were talking last night that you don't really care for the world design because sometimes it's like, just like fillery and yada, yada, yada. Oh, oh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, and I, I think I think it is flawed in that regard. But I also appreciate that in Kingdom Hearts One, they were worlds. It was hey, there are vines to climb in Tarzan's world. You know, in Wonderland, you got to run on the walls and do crazy shit. And I actually think Wonderland's a cool world, but most people disagree. So I'm not. Again, I think it's just me. Whereas from Kingdom Hearts Two onward, it was kind of like, all right, this is a level skinned like a Disney movie for you to run around and jump and kill stuff in. And in two, it was still okay because it was still like you could talk to people occasionally and it was a little more interactive. But then after that, Birth by Sleep, uh, you know, Dream Drop Distance, the worlds are just boxes for you to bounce around and kill things in. That is true. And I think, just to get back to my original point real quick, Derek, was for 2.5, I would recommend you get that, Rob, because if it has the production value that this one does, Birth by Sleep is the best game in the series combat-wise. Kingdom Hearts 2 is the best overall game in the series, I would say. And the final mix of Kingdom Hearts 2 adds 14 boss fights that are all awesome. A new level, like, that is, like, platformy and awesome and has cool music. Uh, you know, just new cutscenes. Uh, it's, it's, it's an expansion pack, basically. Whereas I would say final mix is, like, a director's cut for the first game. It's an expansion pack for Kingdom Hearts 2. Okay. Derek, you were trying to get in there about the world design? Yeah, well, so Steven and I were talking about it last night, as he said, and... Um he kind of pushed me to buy it not you know like not like in a mean way but he kept talking about the music and i was like oh god i gotta hear this music so i got it because 
I don't own Kingdom Hearts 1 anymore on PS2, and I was like, all right, I would enjoy owning this again because I like Kingdom Hearts as a series. And uh, I've been playing through it, and I just... I find that, like, I play it for maybe half an hour, and then I just kind of start to get ambivalent about it um, because everything is so... Like, everything has been improved upon in further games in some way, like Steven said. Like, combat's better in Birth by Sleep, worlds are better, arguably, in Kingdom Hearts 2, and so on. So... It's really hard for me to play it knowing that I could be just playing a better version of this same game, in a sense, um, especially because Kingdom Hearts 2 reuses a lot of the same areas, kind of. And the design, the world design in Kingdom Hearts 1 is, uh, it's very unintuitive. Like, it's not, they don't say, all right, we need to go to the deep part of the jungle in Tarzan's jungle, necessarily. I mean, they kind of do, but a lot of it is just sort of, yeah, you get a cutscene... Jane will be like, oh, it's in the farthest reaches of the jungle. So you're like, all right, I guess that means I have to go somewhere else. Yeah, so you just kind of wander around until you trigger a cutscene accidentally sometimes. And then yeah. you wander around until the next one happens. And like, and Atlantica, for example, everybody has always said, oh, my God, the controls are so awful. They're not really. Like, the controls in that area aren't really the problem, I find. It's that it's so incredibly labyrinthine and you don't really get clear direction a lot of the time. I mean, they say, okay, go to king triton's palace well that's marked on the walls with tridents that's easy to find but going <laughs> in reverse and trying to find specific areas it's like okay i don't remember which nondescript hole leads into which nondescript <laughs> cave yeah so, and, and yeah, you run into the camera's still not perfect like uh, if you no. hated it before it's better now but better than awful and right. so, uh, and, and so, so like like the tunnel sequence in atlantica with the tides if you hit yeah. that tunnel the wrong way you have no idea where you are anymore What's funny is that, you know, uh, we've all been playing games for years now, and we remember games like Kingdom Hearts 1 where it was very obtuse how to find things, and we, we were always getting very frustrated, like, okay, where do I go here in Atlantica? Oh, I have to go through this hole to get to this area and get sucked down in this area to go up here. Didn't even realize I could get up here. And now we have games that have mini-maps, or they just, you know, spell out exactly where you need to go, or there's a marker. And a lot of people are like, oh, I really want to go back to the old way of things. And I'm like... I think a lot of people forget that there was a lot of really bad level design, and there's still a lot of really bad level design out there in games where you're just, you could miss a door, like, just walking around and going, I have no idea where I'm supposed to go, I don't know, and you're just like, yeah. you're bumping into things to try to get the game to move forward, and now it's almost like we've gone the other way, and now people are complaining about the opposite. Now they're saying, oh, the game's giving me too much information. It's it's so hard to get that kind of aspect yeah. of a game right. I don't... I don't want flashing yellow arrows on the ground telling me exactly where to go. Like you don't want you know, the golden yeah. trail. No, <laughs> but but I would appreciate like like Kingdom Hearts One doesn't have any kind of map system whatsoever, which right. is it's kind of okay because the worlds are so small. But like I said, a lot of the time you're like I don't remember which of these like there it's you know it's what? small, but it's also kind of claustrophobic and like hard to find your way around. Kingdom Hearts Two did a very small thing that is a huge improvement, and that's when you pause the game, it tells you where to go. It says. Uh, you know, Mulan and Shan Yu are fighting. You have to go to the top of the mountain. Doesn't show but, you where to go. I mean, I think 2 yeah. also had, had a mini-map, but if Kingdom Hearts 1 had a thing that said, the Cheshire Cat is hanging out in the upside-down room, go there, and I'd be like, okay. I think, yeah. yeah, and even that, you know, as long as it isn't too heavy-handed, I'm okay with that. I just think that, uh, you know, not every game is going to be perfect and amazing, but the best games in terms of level design are the ones that, that sort of like invisibly guide you to where you're supposed to go, where you figure it out on your own because the game provides just enough context for you to know what you're doing without feeling like it's, you know, treating you like little babby. 
Yeah, I, I was watching this really cool video on uh, on YouTube. It was uh, I think it was called Side Questing and Digressing. It was part of uh, the Game Theory video series, and this guy was talking about how in Super Metroid they do things like you're in the room where you get the plasma upgrade and you're trying to kill these enemies and you can't hurt them with your current weapon. And so then you get the plasma upgrade and then while you're working your way through the room, the game's like, hey, you're going to want to try out that new plasma weapon. You use it and it kills those enemies. And so the game is teaching you without putting up a text box that says the plasma weapon will kill armored enemies. Like, I, I got to say, we, we were talking a little bit um, before the show about Grand Theft Auto V. Of course, everybody's talking about it right now, but... I have never been so inundated with menus and systems and things to do stuff. while pl- – yeah, just stuff. Plus, it's, You know what? It's that open world game feature creep that is oh. making them feel less meaningful. Yeah, press right to open up a trailer in this one instance or press triangle while in a melee fight in order to dodge. And I, I'll tell you what, guys. You get into a melee fight in the first – you know, a half hour of Grand Theft Auto V, and the game teaches you how to play it, and then it never comes up again. So five hours later into the game, I got into a fist fight, and I died because I didn't know how to punch. I was like, I forget. I honestly forget. You have you have shown me so many controls, and you have no quick guide tutorial for what I'm supposed to do. It, it's, ex- it's exactly right, Steven. It's feature creep. Like, I felt like the first five hours of Grand Theft Auto V was me just me- reading menus on how to play the game. Like, what the hell ever happened to Mega Man comes into the level and you know jump and you know shoot? Go. Like, games have to tell you every little thing now, and they it's almost like they're expecting you to remember everything. I can't remember all that stuff. I got other stuff in my head right now. So I don't, I don't know. Like, it, there's, a, there's this real, like, complaint going on in the video. It, it, it's like, what's a developer supposed to do? You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You either tell people explicitly what to do, and then you hear from, from quote, hardcore gamers. They're like, no, I mean, I want to figure it out. Or you have moments in games where you have absolutely no idea what you're supposed to do, and you're pissing everybody off. Yeah, it is incredibly hard to balance. Yep. And Sup- I do not envy game designers. Super Metroid is still one of the best games about teaching you how to play it without asking you to go through yeah, a tutorial. I love that kind of... Yeah, I love like when games can pull that off. It's so amazing. But yeah, it's so always. hard to do. And it, it's also a reflection of how games have gotten more complicated as we moved into 3D space, as we have inventory systems and upgrade systems. All this stuff requires explanation. It, 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 it can't go back to Mega Man just being, you know, running to the right and shooting stuff because now Mega Man has sure an inventory. No, uh, well, be- now because Mega Man's money number nine. Yeah. Yes. God, I hope they don't get Which sued. Which is awesome. They Capcom, won't. Uh, Capcom won't do it. They don't want that much bad publicity. Uh, I don't know. They, they, they took all of our hopes and dreams with Deep Down and made it a free-to-play game. You know what? I will retain 10% of my skepticism for that game. I'll, all right, let me rephrase that. I'll retain 90% of my skepticism <laughs> and 10% chance that it might be good. But a free-to-play game built from the ground up to be free-to-play is a game that is built to wring money out of your pocket. It prints money! So, Kingdom Hearts 1.5, Final Edition, Remakes, HD Edition, Super Sora, Mega Pants, Turbo with an Assault Battery, Terra, Xehanoximus. The new challengers. (laughs) Uh, I would say, if you've never played New Curious, this is the version to get, easily. Uh, If you hated it, don't bother, because you're going to still hate it. Um, If you liked it, though, this is, unless you were me and you had a, a PlayStation that could play Japanese games, and you wanted to play it in Japanese. Uh, the Final Mix content is fun, and if you haven't played in years, this could be a good reason to return to it, because it is the prettiest version of the game, the best-sounding version, and the best-running version of the game. 
and the best controlling. So does it's it, the best version of the game. Does it run at 60 frames a second? So, uh, it runs at a solid whatever frames it yeah. runs at. It never slows it down. It runs solidly, yeah. I don't whatever know if it's, it's 60, at. but it's it never slows down anymore. Like, even in Hollow Bastion, there, there was a, a sec, there's like a section at the end of the Hollow Bastion world where you fight like a bunch of big enemies. And in KH1, if you cast at gravity there, like the whole game would just stop. And now it's like... Oh my god, fat enemies are the worst thing to ever happen to Kingdom Hearts, ever. <laughs> I liked them. So I thought that annoying! Was I thought that was cute. You know what, though? They, they teach you that blocking is important. Because they run at you and you're like, block, and then you just walk around behind them and kill them. I, I hate that blocking mechanic, though. I hate, like, the you only have a set amount of animation frames that you can block. So it's really it really is about timing properly, but I like it. I like it when a game does the thing where you can either block and mitigate damage, or you can time the block perfectly to do, like, a counter. I, I really uh, like the way the God of War series does that. KH2 actually did add the ability to do a counter. Uh, yeah. Kingdom Hearts 1, I... It's sort of there, but it's not as... it's the, the block is a little more slow. But at this point, having played it so much, I know all the tells for the enemies. So like now I'm like, oh, block now. I'll tell you what. I'm... Plus, something the game never tells you. People who are listening, if you love Kingdom Hearts, maybe, maybe I'm the only one who noticed this. I don't think so. But the game never tells you. If you press triangle... Twice, when you're in combat, whatever you're targeting, it will tell your teammates to instantly go hit that. And it makes Donald and Goofy go from being almost useless to being almost indispensably awesome. Because you can be like, hey, that guy over there that's hitting me, go hit him. And they'll be like, yeah, go get him. And their little portrait will flash. And they'll go attack him. And then you've got someone covering you while you go fight something else. Was that yeah. in the original Kingdom Hearts? Yes. Oh. And it was. It, the game never tells you to do it. Yep, Maybe it was I in the manual. Knew. Like I, I don't know if it was in the manual. Because I remember I found out by accident. And I'm like, maybe I read it in the manual and saw it, or maybe it wasn't. But it should have been pointed out in the game, because it makes them way, way less useless. Because hmm. if you get three people having a concentrated attack on an enemy, when you're mid-between combos, Donald and Goofy are hitting the guy, so they're getting stunned. Like, that's how I beat Ursula. I just uh, I, oh. I hung back, and I just hit, kept hitting Triangle, and let yep. Ariel and Goofy... Oh, sorry, I Goofy... I remember original vanilla KH1 when I played it back in high school. That was a hard game. It, like it's I, still... I played it on the I played it on the harder difficulty, but I was kind of shocked. Like, good lord! Like, well, that's the thing is that that's one of the things that keeps me in that series is that the boss battles are not like you know they're easy boss battles, but there are tough boss battles in that series that really do demand you have a little bit of skill. Like, you know, a lot of the story bosses, yeah, you can just go level up until you can just beat you know beat them with brute force. But if you're not intentionally leveling up, you know, and, you know, grinding, there really is some skill involved with the bosses. Like, the all the secret bosses in Cage 2, but Kingdom Hearts 1, the new secret boss, is, spoiler alert, it's a character from Kingdom Hearts 2. And uh, <gasps> once you see how the secret boss fights, if you don't know who it is from Kingdom Hearts 2, you're blind. But it's it's a character who fights nothing like anyone in Kingdom Hearts 1. So he's he, it's very fast and very demanding. And you really can't level your way to the point that that boss fight is super easy. You still have to be, like, you have to block. You have to have, you know, some tactics. Did you yeah, beat, I agree. Did you beat Sephiroth? Yeah, oh yeah, Sephiroth's not you nearly beat Lance as difficult as this guy. You beat Lance Bass? Is it still Lance Bass doing the voice? Yeah, Did of course Did you send it him to space? <laughs> you like, go Lance Bass, go to space. Oh, man. I remember the first time I fought him and I lasted, like, four seconds. Yeah. I was like, come on, dude, cut. And then, cut. And then they, they played on that in Kingdom Hearts 2. When you fight him in Kingdom Hearts 2 and he does that move instantly right away where if you don't block it, it automatically knocks you to one health. Yep. Uh, yeah, the, like it's still a cool fight, and it's still not one of the easier fights, but it's, it's relatively manageable. speaking, yeah, it's manageable compared to what they've added since then. 
cool. Cool. So that'd be cool to see 2.5. I, I kind of like the idea of them doing that, and I think that that would maybe fit with this timeline about releasing Kingdom Hearts 3 in a meaningful manner is kind of like yeah. to put these out there. And, you know, it, it's also good because, I, I, you know, the cynical person would say, you know, me being a cynic, would say, oh, they're just trying to make money off of these games. But it's also really cool to, like, let people play these games now that we don't have any more backwards compatible consoles and these games weren't released on PC – if you want to play the history of some games, if you're fresh and new to games and you're interested in Kingdom Hearts 3, you never played one, this, this is a good is way the best to do way it. way to polish it exactly. up. Yeah. And exactly. People and let's be honest, people like HD remakes. Like, you know, you have the people on the internet who go, peh, peh, meh, I'm not playing that again. I've already played it. Still own it on the old console. And I'm like, all right, that's great. I'm going to buy it again because it looks great. Yep. The, the people like buying HD ports, I think. And I think the remakes that uh, Square Enix have been doing are pretty excellent. I mentioned earlier that I beat uh, Tactics Ogre Let Us Cling Together on the PSP uh, on my Vita. And uh, yeah, that game is still holding my attention quite a bit. I, I had the opportunity to play Grand Theft Auto V this week, and I was like, nope. Yeah, just, nope. Just going you know uh, to keep using my, my archers and my ninjas and just decimating the battlefield in Tactics Ogre. There you go. <laughs> you know what remakes we never got over here that I wish we did? Vagrant story. The, uh, <laughs> well, there's no we such need, thing, but I wish. I um, if was, uh, those those um, saga remakes, like the Final Fantasy uh, Legends. Oh, yeah, unquote, yeah, yeah. they remade like Saga 2 and 3 for DS. Oh, cool. And I always wanted to try those because I remember we were posting news and media about them for a while. But then they just sort of disappeared off the face of the planet, so... They came out and all was lost. That would actually be really cool to play those again. Uh, yeah, they were like they were done in the style of uh, like Final Fantasy IV DS. So like oh, low cool. poly. Yeah. Were they done by mouse. Matrix? Uh, I think so, but I could be wrong. Hmm. hmm. So speaking of, uh, I don't know if you have it in news, Derek, but we did hear of uh, Matsuno doing some uh, new stuff, working with a uh, kind of tabletop RPG company and making another tactics-based game. So yeah. Hats off um, to them. Yeah, it's like. What, like a card game and a uh, tabletop, like a mobile and a card game or something? A uh, I think it's a, I think it's a card game and a like game it's, in the style of Tactics Ogre and Final Fantasy. Yeah, Fantasy it's Tactics. it's like Tactics Battles with card combat. So it, yeah, it's, a, I'm a, it's I'm a little wary, fusion. but I well, think he's he's doing think of so it this way though. If it's cards and the card system is balanced and it's not about grinding or leveling, it's going to be all based on skill and, and you know <laughs> the power, the heart of the cards. Can we uh, can we summon Exodia? Yeah, screw the rules. Exodia, obliterate. I don't know what that is. Really, uh, I'm the only Yu-Gi-Oh person in here. I am not oh, a freaky I... fish guy. Well, I just I just, <laughs> I just mentioned that I've seen a few of them. Like I know the heart of the cards and trap card. See, I I remember uh, watching Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid, and because it was like on t it was on TV when I was in high school. And I just was always like, man, I just feel like they're making up rules. Like, uh, like oh, yeah. I'm trying to, like, diagram the game, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. This is BS. That's the scientist in you. You're trying to diagram the rules of an anime. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I know, right? I'm trying to figure out what Goku's power level is after, like, episode 55. You're like, wait, so if his power level is here at this point, and he's growing at an exponential rate. Yeah, no. <laughs> just, just no. None of those terms work for me. No. Yeah, no. I know. I'm the, I'm the science guy on the website, so I'm sorry. <laughs> It's what I do. It's why I. Have, it's why I don't like writing reviews anymore. I'm kind of bored by them. Rob Stein, the science guy. No, I was I just thinking that. Are you going to be on Dancing with the Stars? Holy crap, that was awesome! Oh, he's going to be on Dancing with the Stars. He was on Dancing with the Stars. How long did he last? Like a day. 
I don't really actually know much about Dancing with the Stars. I just saw a YouTube clip of uh, it. Ah, okay. Yeah, I don't mean either. No, I, I, find I, don't it, know, I don't know what it actually is. I find it very hard to write reviews because I have a tendency to do it very much from my science background, which is, okay, now I'm going to talk about the graphics. Now I'm going to talk about the world. Now I'm going to talk about the gameplay. Like, it, it's hard to, like, keep myself interested. That's why I go online and read other reviews to kind of go, oh, okay, that's kind of a unique style. I kind of like what he's going for there. Like, I got the utmost respect for people that can keep writing game reviews. Like, if I have to mention one more time that a game has bad UI... Like, I'm going to cut myself. Like, I'm so sick and tired of complaining about that. Like, everybody, <laughs> look at Kingdoms of Amalur. It was it was small. It was basic. It wasn't pretty. But damn it, it was functional. It worked. Like, Sky UI, the Skyrim UI. Like, that thing is awesome. Like, why wasn't that the regular UI for the PC version of that game? Like, why was a, a bunch of dudes were able to do better than Bethesda? Like, that's crazy. Bethesda, Bethesda put all their money where the money was. Yeah, I know. It's just, it, it's stuff like that that I'm just tired. It's like gunplay in Grand Theft Auto. I'm tired of complaining about it. Or like oh, yeah. camera yeah. angles in Kingdom Hearts games. I'm tired of complaining about it. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe it's not for you, brah. No, man, maybe it's not for me, brah. But I also I always did. What was the uh, thing in Kingdom Hearts two? Like if Sora went Super Saiyan, what was that drive. called? Drive. drive. Yeah. Drive. Yeah, I remember yeah. when I got his last drive form, and I was like, I think he just became Jesus. <laughs> Actually, does do that. Does, that's another that one where thing he just too. like hovers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he like uh, the the first one you get, he has a second keyblade. The other one, the second one, he floats and he shoots magic. The third one, the keyblades float, but he doesn't. And then the fourth one, everything's floating. <laughs> and then actually, another thing in the final mix for two that would make it worthwhile is that they added a new drive form that he can use when he's alone, and it turns him into like a costume that looks like his Kingdom Hearts one costume, and he can use all the limit breaks from Kingdom Hearts one. Nice, and it's oh, super cool, cool looking. See, I do and like that stuff. About see, it. no, see, Rob, you can you can apply scientific theory to that. So, like, the more objects that are not touching the ground, the more powerful you are. <laughs> <laughs> is it an exponential increase, or is it simply well, obviously, or is it item. geometric? Because that's how Skynet began to learn at a geometric uh, rate. A, a geometric rate. I still think that's a BS term. I like it's learning according to shapes. What? Like, I, I, I've never understood that. It wasn't. It was both Skynet did that and the Red Queen in the Resident Evil movie. Oh, like, yeah. And I was the like, what? Queen. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, that Resident Evil movie. I forgot how oh, bad my. that was. Oh, my. But you know what? The Resident Evil movies have gotten better. Because now they're just crazy. They're just What's crazy the stupid. They, they Define better. They stopped caring at making them make sense. And now they're just like, how much ridiculousness can we put in them? And it's awesome. <laughs> they were like, hey, look, Wesker's back. We killed him three movies ago and last movie. But he's back again because he's Wesker. But then, ag then again, we are talking about, you know, Chris, I punch boulders, Redfield and Resident Evil 5. Uh, can we my, just make the whole nickname, series about Leon? <laughs> my nickname for Chris has always been Chris Douchebag Redfield. <laughs> Oh, but then there's the Evil Within, which isn't an RPG, but good lord, does that look sweet. Looks good, and Rob has a new avatar on our forum. Yep! <laughs> I went back to the old school. You uh, got the little, uh, the, I don't know, the meter that shows your health, and it's yep. like, beep, it says fine. Beep, beep, beep. Our monitor. <laughs> All right. Granted, you're in a room with no ammo and a bunch of zombies, and it's anyway, fine. I'm like, I'm anything but fine! I am anything but fine! <laughs> Anyway. Nothing about this is fine. All right, so what do we want to talk about RPG now? RPG anyway. It's well, I mean, look at RPG anyway. All you do is press one. But ten. <laughs> I, I don't, don't really want to do this, but I have to now. All right, what are we talking we about We could just next? do that whole video. So you wanted to talk about <laughs> Etrian Odyssey Untold, the Millennium Girl. Yay. Uranium Shoujo. And it's Star Wars-themed spinoff, Millennium Falcon. Yep. 
the Millennium <laughs> Fucking Punch. Fucking kick. Fucking kick. Anyway, so uh, yes. yes. All right, wow, we did that in tandem. So Etrian Odyssey Untold. Um, I have not had the pleasure of playing the full game yet, but as with Etrian Odyssey 4, which Atlas released on the 3DS earlier this year, there is a lengthy, lengthy, lengthy demo of it out. Um, it's probably about five, six hours, and it has um, functionality you can carry over your save to the full game. It does cap you at level 10, and you get to explore, like, three levels of the main labyrinth and then one of this new labyrinth that they've added for this release. So, um, Etrian Odyssey Untold for the Uninitiated is a remake of Etrian Odyssey 1. Etrian Odyssey 1 was made on the Nintendo DS, uh, I don't know, like six years ago, five years ago. God, is it that long? Yeah, so uh, so Etrian Odyssey Untold is a 3DS remake that is notable for adding in a really comprehensive story mode. Um, it retains the classic mode, which is just like a create your own party of five adventurers, explore a labyrinth, draw your own maps, die all the time, yada, yada, yada. Um, so this new story mode is a mode that has five predefined characters with personalities. Um, they're all named and everything and fully voice acted. And uh, there are anime cutscenes by Studio Madhouse sprinkled throughout the game and oh that's right i forgot about those yeah they're they're really cool and uh yeah i mean there's like there's like an actual narrative now um the the narrative is basically you play as this unnamed guy called the highlander and uh or he's from the the tribe of highlanders there yes there can only be one and he comes uh to etria or whatever um to explore this labyrinth that was newly discovered there is the uh, Labyrinth of Yggdrasil, which was the one that was in the first game, and there's this new set of ruins called Gladsheim. And so the government or guild or whatever uh, in Etria sends him there to investigate. And inside, he discovers this girl sleeping inside of a stasis pod named Frederica, who is the protagonist or the Millennium Girl. And uh, so basically these, these new ruins are very, like, they're kind of tech. Like, they look like something out of Fantasy Star Online almost. And so he's tasked with exploring these ruins and finding out why they're there, while in tandem exploring the Yggdrasil Labyrinth, along with this um, group of adventurers from the Midgard Library. And if I'm not mistaken, Midgard is the city that the second game took place in. So these five characters go through, um, and they explore these two labyrinths in tandem, because to get farther in this Gladsheim Labyrinth, they have to delve deeper into Yggdrasil and then like activate switches or teleporters or whatever. Um, so you do the two at the same time. Um, this new labyrinth wasn't in the original game, so it's actually really interesting to play it alongside. And uh, so in addition, basically, to being um, a really story-heavy remake, it's got some new gameplay systems like the Highlander and the uh, and Frederica um, are both new classes uh, that weren't in Etrianasi 1. Highlander is just his class is Highlander, and Frederica's a gunner, which they added in Etrianasi 2. But hers and it was is a awesome. Bit yeah, and hers is a bit different. Um so, so yeah, I mean, it's like new classes. There's a new Grimoire Stone system that lets you steal, or not steal, but, like, I guess capture, in a sense, randomly enemy abilities and or party member abilities. I'm not exactly sure how it works because I've never experienced it. Um, uh, we have a review on the site, actually, I should say that. Uh, Greg Starmongoose, he reviewed it, and it went up last week. So uh, he really enjoyed it a lot, so... It's pretty much just, like, it's a really comprehensive remake of Etrian Odyssey 1, and it's definitely, I would say by far, it's the best place to start if you've never played an Etrian Odyssey game. Because, you know, you're starting at the beginning of the series chronologically, as well as it benefits from having a lot of new features added and improvements that were made over the years, just, like, small iterative things. Uh, 
so yeah, it's good. Like, so I, I played the demo. Um, I reached the end of it, and I actually, despite having said earlier this year that I was burnt out on Entering Odyssey after playing like 40 hours of four and not quite beating it, I was like, man, Untold is coming out so soon. I don't know if I'm ready to play it. But after playing the demo, like, I really want it. It's uh, it's got enough differences and like enough weight to it. I just really enjoy the story. I think that's. Yeah, that's what's drawing. That's what's making me want to play it, and why I didn't play four because I was like, I really like the gameplay, but I just, there's not enough impetus for me these days. Yeah, for me, that's that's what sort of drew me to it was the the heavier narrative. I really, you know, I I like characters that are that have personalities and stuff as long as they're not insufferable. Um, so, so yeah, like it's it's a really cool game. Um, based on Greg's review and what I played at the demo, I would say if you're interested in the series at all, definitely go for it. It is the best one to start with, and. As always, uh, Yuzo Koshiro returned to do the score. He's an amazing musician. And as well as uh, he rearranged tracks from the original Entering Odyssey on DS, as well as providing a bunch of new stuff. Um, mostly that happens when you're in the new ruins. And like there's like a new battle theme for the new ruins and new, like several, I think, as well as new music for that. So yeah, like it's, it's really cool. First person dungeon crawler. Um, you still have to draw your own maps, but... There is a you can have it auto draw now it can auto draw floors and walls for you, which is super super useful. Um, so if you're just kind of more interested in exploring and you don't need in that incredible precision in, in your maps and everything, then you can skip that. And there's also a new floor jump feature that lets you if you have a map of a floor that is, you know, like really close to completion or done well, they'll let you jump to the stairs on that floor up or down. So that eliminates a lot of the tedium of re-entering the labyrinths and just like going like okay i'm on the fifth floor so i need to like go back to the town and heal and then go back and walk through all five floors again like no you don't have to do that anymore so really cool game actually um i wasn't interested because i was burnt out but now i am so there you go i'm gonna eat some french fries now you want to talk about something else no <laughs> wow great i'm really glad you were paying attention i was paying attention you were talking about yggdrasil and going you, up to you, different floors you and ended stuff. really you ended really quickly yeah like and i actually life. didn't know that there was a second dungeon in it is, is there a point cool. in owning the original uh etrian odyssey like compared to this one would, would you i wouldn't really say so because the uh the etrian odyssey untold has the classic mode that's pretty much like functionally identical to the original game but improved because you have convenient things like like the floor jumping and the grimoire stones um at least i'm pretty sure you get the grimoire stones in classic mode and also, uh, the font in Etrian Odyssey 1 on DS is, like, almost illegible. I, I, uh, <laughs> really I, I do know that I'm sure purists of the series will come up with some really obscure reason why the first one's better, because the new one's too easy or something. I don't know. But I think for us, this is the one to have. Hmm. Although yeah. I do like the original. Should I get this or wait for Bravely Default Flying Fairy? You should probably get both of them because Bravely yeah, Default is awesome, different. and this looks different. awesome. Why does everybody? And not to get too off off track, but I have like no knowledge about what Bravely Default is. Why is everybody saying that that's like the secret best Final Fantasy game? Is it just uh, because it's old school Final it, Fantasy? It, it, Art design, yeah. awesome music, world map has a job system that works really cool. It's like okay, you know, imagine imagine like a PS one era Final Fantasy with modern conveniences, um, a similar battle system to say like seven, eight, or nine, but really fast. And a job system like fives. Like, Do I fight an angel at the end of the game? I don't know. Probably. Almost undoubtedly. Yeah, or a fairy. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, All right, just, just... And it has music by Revo, and uh, that's really, really good. And you can, yeah, pretend oh. like you're an Attack on Titan. Like, are, are we getting the special edition version of that? Yes. Okay. There was a lot of confusion over that. 
for the past few weeks, and I was like, "Well, I don't understand where the confusion came from because they came right out and said, Bravely Default for the sequel is the version the U.S. is getting.'" And then everyone was like, "Is that the the for the sequel version or is that the original version?" Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Steven, stop. Oh, yeah, stop. Very yelling. different. Um, so it just depends on what you're in the mood for. Like, I'm not overly fond of first-person dungeon crawlers. I guess for the most yeah. part, yeah. Having played a lot of them recently, like the like Atlas has released four of them this year alone. Oh, well, let's see. Soul Hackers, Edge Odyssey 4, right? And Edge Odyssey Untold. And then, well, I guess SMT4 is not a first-person dungeon crawler, but they are dungeon crawlers nonetheless with first-person battle systems. But yeah, like, if you like that kind of game, it's good. <laughs> don't don't hesitate. But if you're in the mood for something more traditional, then, like, you can't afford both, Rob. Come on. Uh, well, you know, I'm saving up for that $300 uh, R9 280 graphics card. So. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was, like, 600 No, that's the R9 290. He's trying to get the one that's priced for humans. Yes, I'm halfway I, I, reasonable. Yeah, the one three hundred dollars for a new graphics card is perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I mean, you spend them, we used to spend that much on consoles every four years. Yeah, exactly. And the PlayStation Four is four hundred bucks, and this thing will kill the PlayStation Four. Like, yeah, but it, like, it also won't have PS4 like will, exclusives. Yeah, that's does, true. Does it have laser eyes? <laughs> well, like, no, no only the Dreamcast is Only the Dreamcast is thinking. No, only the dream. Man, Dude, I, really... I found a sound file I recorded in like sixth grade with my friends, and we sounded like you know sixth grade boys. Yeah, I'm we really like interested talking, in the dream. And we were like, Adam thinks the Dreamcast is thinking. Well, yeah. Well, the PS2 is doing. And I was like, wow, <laughs> why did nobody slap me upside the head? Holy crapsicles! Dude, I, I remember how exciting the dream. There's something that's really been lost with gaming. I was realizing it the other day, like I found a, an old game fan review of Final Fantasy VII, and yeah, I, I sent it to Steven. It's like the most fanboy review I've ever read, but damn it, it really reminded me of what gaming was like back in the 90s. Like, it was exciting. It was things like the Dreamcast announcement, like, what is Shenmue? What is this game? Is it that- real life? Like that sort of like unjaded enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. and I, I do feel like we've lost that. Actually, I, I gotta say, like somebody gave us a review on uh, on iTunes, which I'm always very thankful for, by the way. And I'd really like to get us up to sixty plug. Um, and somebody said that like you guys aren't jaded or cynical at all. And I, I usually look at myself as being pretty jaded and cynical, but I, I've been listening to old shows. I'm like, no, I am pretty positive. Like I want to, I, I really want to love things. Now I'm always cautiously optimistic, but like. Man, do you guys remember like the first time you saw like Power Stone running on a Dreamcast? Oh man, that game was like, cool. You like, crapped yourself. You were like, "This is nuts!" Like, yep. I was like, "This is like Smash Brothers, but with people I've never heard of and airplanes blowing up." It's like the the just this uh, golden age of it, it was like before we would see a trailer for a game and all the message boards would start with, "Well, that looks stupid," or <laughs> like you know the yeah. first yeah, time. Yeah, that's the thing is like you go to Twitter when anything's announced. We'll save my money for something else. Yeah, somebody mentioned on like that they showed the first gameplay of uh, the Evil Within this week, and somebody goes, "Oh, I don't know, looks a lot like Resident Evil 4." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. correct." And Resident Evil 4 is amazing, so it's a problem. Yeah, Resident Evil 4 is one of the best yeah. damn games I've ever played. <laughs> We've been trying to get a sequel to Resident Evil 4 since Resident Evil 5. Yeah, exactly. Like Dead Space, kind of, sort of, kind of got there. Same with Dead Space 2. Dead Space 1 had its own flavor, though, that I really liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, Dead Space 2 was kind of like... That, to me, felt like the proper sequel to Resident Evil 4 in a lot of ways. Like, the the crazy action. I'm not going to even talk about Dead Space 3, because the game is atrocious and awful, and with a free-to-play model that is just insane. Like, the game has no sense of character about itself. It's so dry, 
mechanical. It feels like it was made like by I accountants. Said, like I said, once you make a game free to play, the priority of that game is not to make balanced gameplay components. It's to make balanced gameplay components that will fit into the, the pricing system. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of truth in that. But there's just... I, I maybe it's also because we don't have like the magazines anymore. Like I was a huge EGM reader in the day, and they would like show you a screenshot of a game, and you're like, "What is this? I, I don't just, know." Yep. To this to this day, I remember the magazine I opened. I don't remember what magazine it was, but I remember opening it up. It might have been Tips and Tricks, but it, they had a screenshot from Sonic Extreme, which never came out, and it was the first 3D Sonic thing ever. And I was just like, like my brain was on the wall behind me. I was like, "What?" Or, or like when I picked up a copy of, I think it might have also been Tips and Tricks or EGM Two, where they were like the big secret of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and I'm like, oh, what is it? There's a second effing castle. That's when you, that's when you make your face. You're like, what? I made my buddy call me on the phone and guide me to the second castle because he had the the magazine at home, and I was like, oh my god. You know, I think the last magazine to really ignite my imagination like that was probably the official Dreamcast magazine. Yeah. Yeah, that was they were cool like everything about that magazine was just like so in love with the Dreamcast and games, and they were just so happy and optimistic all the time. I just yeah, like when it. everyone else was making fun of Choo Choo Rocket on the fledgling internet, Dreamcast magazine was like, Jewish games multiplayer. I yeah. love Choo Choo Rocket, and I remember getting the final issue of Dreamcast magazine when they really abruptly announced that the Dreamcast was being canned, and I like cried over it. Well, that was back in the day when, like, we, we didn't have the internet. You, do you guys remember when, like, the... Oh, God, here we go. Take a drink, everybody. You guys remember when the, <laughs> you guys remember when the Metal Gear Solid 2 trailer came out? And we're, like, downloading pictures of the damn thing from, like, a 56K dial-up modem. Yeah. And it's taking, Actually, like... I was, I was using my, uh, my school's internet, but yes. Yeah, and it's taking, like, three days to download pictures of this game. So what you, you had to wait for the magazine, and you got high-resolution screenshots. I remember when they sh- first showed a screenshot for the Resident Evil remake, and it was... <laughs> Just a, it was just a picture of Chris and like a zombie on top of him, and he was about ready to stab it in the neck. And I was like, "This looks awesome!" Like our way of consuming video games has changed. Now we've almost we almost see too much of video games now. Like I watch a demo oh, for a game, and I go, "Man, I didn't wish I really wish I didn't see that." That's actually yeah. why I've stopped. I don't follow anything. And again, Derek, this kind of leads into like you'll show me something, and occasionally like like with the music, like I guess I didn't look at it, and I said, "Oh, that looks cool." And in concept, I think it's cool, but I've stopped wanting to look at stuff as much because, like, it's like I see it and then I'm like, all right, well, I've seen it. Well, yeah, well, I wouldn't link it to you unless it was music generally just because I know that we're all about music. But, yeah. But, yeah, I know what you mean, though. Like, there are some some things where I can't help myself. Like, as you guys know, I'm really excited for Lightning Returns. You can laugh if you're listening and... Hey, I'm excited for that game, too. Hey, you laughed all the way to Final Fantasy XIV. I'm going to respect your opinion, sir. Who, me? Yeah, I, I mean, you you laughed at us laughing at Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, that's true, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a pretty strong I, tr- I trust you. <laughs> Represent. I'm flexing my muscles right now. You can't there, see it. But anyway, so, like, I'm legitimately excited for Lightning Returns, and so I'm eating up all the media for it. But at the same time, it's like, I kind of wish I wasn't. Like, <laughs> it's almost like I wish the ball was in... Because the ball was in Square Enix's court. If they would stop releasing so much, then maybe I could stop voraciously consuming it all. But <laughs> Stop giving know, me things to look at. I don't stop have the power. Stop. 
Yeah, well, there's yeah, there's like these nine soundtrack samples I've been listening to on repeat for the last week, week and a half. But yeah, like I miss the days of not knowing as much and then being incredibly surprised. Um, or a magazine saying, "Oh, we have ten new screenshots of yeah, like, Resident that was, Evil like, Two. That's like uh, we'll bring it to, back to an example we talked about. The first Kingdom Hearts when it came out, I didn't know anything about it, and it was out in Japan, so it's not like I couldn't have found things. But like. I would like see like the GameSpot uploaded a, a, a video of the cutscene when in the very beginning when Donald and the Goofy are looking for Sora, and like they see a star go out, and I'm like, Donald and the Goofy, the star went out. What the heck, that? And like freaking out, and I didn't know anything. Like all I knew, I was like, there's a world called Hollow Bastion. That's not from a Disney world. And like so when I got it, every time you got to a new world, I was like, holy crap, an Aladdin world. Holy crap, this. Holy crap, that. And then like two came out, and I had followed it so closely that I already knew all the worlds. So it was like, oh, look, the Mulan world. I knew this was coming. Oh, Timeless River. I'm not surprised this is here. Hey, Tron, I knew that was here, too. Yeah, there, there's just a... I, I, I kind of push myself to go dark with a lot of games now. Like, I, I saw the gameplay demo for The Evil Within, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of being a hypocrite in that I was so excited about it, and I'm talking about it, and I, I'm like, I want to watch it again. But I've kind of said no. You know, that's enough. Like, I watched, for Dishonored, I watched the Golden Cat E3 demo, and I was like, all right, that's enough. I don't want to see any more of that game. You, you got oh, me? Oh, yeah. I'm I sold. I, honestly, I didn't look at anything from Dishonored before I bought it. I just was like, I hear it's good. It's from uh, Harvey Smith. I want it. Yeah. There, there's something to be said for like almost doing your own personal media blackout. I, I got to commend Rockstar. I mean, they really didn't show a whole lot. They don't show a whole lot of their games before they come out. And it is kind of a nice surprise a little bit. And I, I, I like the way they do that. I like their marketing. I think the problem now, though, is that, again... And abuse gamers a little more, but you get the internet going. I'm not making this purchase until you show me some gameplay. Yeah, seriously, it's like. Come and on. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know what? From a, a consumer perspective, yeah, I mean, you want to see what you're buying before you get it. You remember buying? But on the other hand, you know, you remember used... buying games because the cover looked cool. I remember Actually, those days. You can do that on Steam now with it, with yeah. like all the stuff that gets released, man. That's why you know what people go. Oh, why do you like Steam? Why do you like Valve? Da 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 da. You know why I like Steam? For a lot of reasons beyond its usability. I like Steam because I can get on the Steam store, and there are like 100 games I haven't seen that are probably pretty good that cost $10. Yeah, there's that new uh, four-player horror game called Damned. What? And, yeah, and it's uh, three... See? I haven't heard of that! Yeah, there's three people that are the the characters, and then a fourth player that is the monster. And it's the monster's job to pick oh, off the players one by one. That's so awesome. And it's like 10 bucks. Like, it, it looks kind of, I gotta admit, it looks a it little might not rough. It's perfect, but, but as a concept, where else can you play that? And it's a $10 game. This is what Derek and I were talking about while Steven was getting ready for the show. But, like, I gotta say, I'm, I'm really, I've talked about it before on the show, I am leaning toward the smaller games right now. Like, like I, I want a small, bite-sized, good game. Like, even Tactics Ogre, it's very complex, but it isn't, you know, the Grand Theft Auto giant open-world uh, content. It's a very focused game, yeah. and I'm, I'm liking focused games right now. I don't have the time to... You know, I, I look at the, the map in a game, and I see all these different missions in an open-world game, because apparently every game has to be open-world now, and it's almost overwhelming. The game that really surprised me this summer replaying it and it, it there's a real elegance to the way it handles its open world nature i gotta give a nod to skyrim because you can manually go in and turn off the quests that you aren't interested in and it's like they won't bother you and so you can focus you can turn it as derek is talking about you can turn it into a really linear game if you want to 
And there's something to be said for that that I think the other open world games are almost giving me too much. Like, I'm sitting here with like 15 missions to do in Grand Theft Auto V, and I'm like, huh, you know, I'm just going to play some Tactics Ogre. I got a half an hour to myself right now. I just want to play a battle in Tactics Ogre. That's good for me. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, and sorry, go ahead, Dark. That's okay. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm actually kind of averse to open world games for the most part. There are some uh, exceptions, of course, but I really, I prefer games that aren't necessarily like excessively linear, but games that are paced well and put together tightly enough. Like I, I said this to Rob in the pre-show, I probably said it in previous episodes. I love the East games because that's what they do. Like they don't necessarily say like there is only one road to follow, but you know, there it's kind of like levels almost or stages, and everything is just so well laid out and so it, it's like so well structured that you never feel like you're overwhelmed with stuff to do. Although there are side objectives, so I don't know. Yeah, and I agree with that. Like, the, I do like some open world games. Like, I liked Sleeping Dogs last year, but like generally speaking, and I've said this before, give me less less uh, landmass to explore but fill it with interesting things and memorable right. landscapes. And again, I'm sorry to bring it up, but Final Fantasy XIV, it's not, not open yep. world, it's an MMO, but Final Fantasy XIV, you can, you can enjoy just exploring. Like, Mike and I were playing the other night, and we just stumbled across something crazy looking, and it was like, oh, hey, this is here. And when you have, oh, gigantic, mega, colossal world, you don't have the development time to make everything look unique and interesting. You're going to have 20 yeah. different caves. You're going to have 20 different you know, fields that have mountains in them. Whereas in this, it's like, even, like, there are, like, three or four areas that have a lot of crystals in them. All of them look different and unique. So it's like, I remember, I go, oh, Mordona's the place that has that giant, you know, or, like, Korthos has a giant, like, chunk of a moon sticking into the earth. Like, you know, it's yeah, a memorable design. Exactly what I was going to say about about Final Fantasy fourteen version 1 being nothing but cut-and-paste maps. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the history of uh, version 1, but people actually took the maps of the areas in Final Fantasy XIV's original version and they like they cut parts of them and you can overlay them perfectly all over tiles in the zone. Like there are areas <laughs> that just were repeated like I, like down to the smallest detail. Like here's a ridge and there's a small bush at the foot of that ridge and then near the top there's like a rock formation. Like that happened all the time where they were just literally identical because they, they, they were like, well, we wanted to have a big seamless world, but we couldn't put in a lot of detail because we wanted it to be big. And it's like, no, that's the exact opposite of what you should be doing. And then a lot of people cried foul with uh, Realm Reborn because they were like, oh, you're going to make the world smaller. And in reality, they didn't really because the world still feels huge and everything in the areas are meaningful and intentionally designed. Yeah, like when you find something, it's fun. Like, for example, my uh, my white mage, I got to 45 and I had to go on a quest to pray at these different tombs in order to get to, like, you know, enchant my armor or whatever. And there were places I was going to that I've been to before that, like, I'd walk to the top of this ridge and then there'd be, like, this tiny little grave that I had missed every time I went there. And, like, if you look from the grave, there's, like, a gorgeous view. And, like, they tell you in the game, they go, yeah, you know, this person was buried here because of this, you know, the, the you know, the ether is, like, strong or something. And I'm like, this is just, like, a detail that you can't have in, oh, our world is giant. We went off a little bit of a tangent there, but still. No, I just, I, I miss, maybe it's because I'm not a kid anymore. I just miss really being excited. There's no surprises anymore. You know what I mean? Like, every, okay, I shouldn't say that. Every once in a while you get a good surprise. Like, Square Enix had a really Dark good surprise. Uh, oh, God. No, ser- no, 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 not, not, haha, Dark Souls, but like, seriously. 
Demon Souls and Dark Souls. When I first heard of Demon Souls, it was I, I didn't write an RPG fan. I read a review and I went eh, and then it came out here and I was like eh, and then someone was like it's really challenging and the the footwork is important. I'm like all right, I guess. And then I play it and I'm like all right, now this is my favorite action RPG. And then Dark Souls is like hey, I'm like Demon Souls only we put a Metroid style progression into the world. And I was like. Ugh. Well, it's almost it's also the way games are announced. Like I thought you were mentioning Dark Souls 2, the announcement at the VGAs where like I wasn't even watching the VGAs, I jump online, I look on Kotaku and they're like Dark Souls 2 just got announced and Jackie had to like calm me down. Like I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> and like or, or think about the Skyrim announcement at the VGAs. Like that that was crazy. Like I I went back and watched that on YouTube. Like that was insane. You know, Todd Howard just coming up on stage like we're really excited to talk to you about the game we're releasing next year, 111111. Like it used to be that you heard about a video game announcement in a magazine. Like, you would flip the page and it would just be like, Metal Gear Solid 2 in big bold yep. letters. And it was like, <gasps> Well, I think it's because you didn't have real-time reporting of, like, E3. Right, right. It, it's different. There, there's a... But even then, like, we don't get a huge number of surprises. The big surprises seem to come with the next-gen announcements. And that's why, like, you know, we had the Dragon Age Inquisition announcement. We had the infamous Second Son announcement. These are the announcements that people really get excited for. But it's also new stuff. Like, I'm kind of, you know... Uh, uh, I you remember... know what? That, what was that one game? Um, the Derek, Order? You, no, not The Order. When we were watching... Um... Not the first Sony press conference, but the one that was somewhat recently where they announced that game that looks like Wind Waker, oh, kind of. Yeah, Wind Waker and uh, Ico. Not, yeah, not Rain. I don't remember what it was called. But uh, that popped up, and I was like, I don't know what this is, but I want it. I can't remember the name of it. Well, and, and think back to the Xbox One announcement, and everybody, and like they show the the new video, and it's in the desert. And everybody's like, "Oh God, what is it? Is it Fable? Oh my God, is it is it Beyond Good and Evil?" And then the guy takes off the cloak, and it's oh, it's, it's Halo. And yeah, you know that's cool. People like Halo, I guess. Yeah, no, no, I'm not disparaging on Halo, but what I'm saying is like there's an elegance has been lost, like that because the video games cost so much to make now, they got to go with the safe bet. And yeah. I, I don't know. I just some of the wonder is gone, and I miss the wonder. I miss the dr- I miss the days of the Dreamcast and just how crazy, bat crap nuts that system was. Well, yeah, I do <laughs> too. Man. Also, it had a lot of really awesome games on it. What do you want to bet this new frictional uh, game that they're teasing is a new System Shock game? Why is that just? I, I know they made amnesia. I know they don't. I know they don't own the license, but something about. Something is really making me think that this is like a System Shock game. I don't know what it is. But Frictional made Amnesia. Right, but they're they're got it their new game that they're getting ready to announce, and like you go onto their website nextfrictionalgame.com, and they're booting up, and it's very like it, it's a horror game, and they're very much doing like the uh, I'll just post it on Skype, guys. <laughs> but, but they're doing like the sci-fi stuff on it, and it it looks I I, I don't know it it looks like it's going to at least have some of that old school uh, System Shock vibe to it, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I don't know either, because I haven't looked at it. It looks cool. Alright, are we ready to go into news, or do we have any other games to talk about? Mm. I really, I mean, I just played a lot of Tactics Ogre, and I just love that game, and the way it handles New Game Plus is phenomenal. Oh, I uh, I guess just really briefly, I've been playing the last episode of Cognition, and uh, it's oh, good. Yawn. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, dude. Yawn at things I'm like that. I'm teasing. It, uh, the voice acting is still pretty hammy, but uh, the puzzle design is better than it's ever been, and they've really got their, like, it doesn't feel quite, 
you know how like the first episode like a lot of indie games feel creaky like all the parts don't quite fit together well like it just doesn't feel tight uh, they've they've really really done a great job fixing that, um, and part of it I think is because they solicit lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of feedback. Hmm. Uh, and their puzzle, their, yeah, their puzzle design is fantastic now. Like it, it just everything feels really intuitive and entertaining. Like they they're really good at setting up dramatic moments. Uh, and so I, I I look forward to seeing what Phoenix Online Studios can do, given you know more time, more budget in the future. Because I mean I, I have to assume they're going to work on something next. That isn't. Nope. You know, they're they're done forever. They're done. They've made all their video games. Well, actually, they're making Mobius, which is a, it was rough when I played it in in the beta, but I mean it was or the alpha, but it was still you know it was fun. Nope. On its way, huh? Nope. Yeah. All right. Are you noping? I don't know. I'm just I I'm just remembering like playing Resident Evil. I, I'm just I'm really I think I gotta go replay Resident Evil two right now. Well, yeah. It takes like four hours to get through, but like, right. There's never a bad time, really. Yeah. Play, that, it, play it on your Vita, dude. <gasps> That's the best idea anyone has had ever. But I, I gotta know. pay like five bucks for it. It's five oh, bucks. No. Five don't bucks. go. Don't go get a cheeseburger. But that's a cheeseburger. Actually, I think Jackie and I are staying in tonight to watch Hostel, so we probably will get a cheeseburger. So. Well, there you go. I vomited up after watching we, that. We, dude, like I laugh. Is it wrong that I can laugh watching Hostel? I think well, I'm I mean, really I, twisted. I, you know, maybe I could laugh in between vomiting everywhere because of how disgusting it is. Are you are you a little, little girl when it comes to violence and stuff? No, man. I mean, I li- you know I don't like violence, but like you know I, I thought you were tolerate... gonna be like I love violence. I love I killing can, people. Like I can tolerate violence in media. Like it it makes me like like I'll watch it. and I'm like eh, it's a bit much. But like it doesn't make me like look away. But I'm just like I don't care for it. Yeah, that's yeah like, same. And, and and like Hostel really approaches levels of torture porn. It's why I don't like the Saw movies. I'm like. You know, I understand exactly why those are famous because people love to see really nasty crap happening to people, like their arms getting drilled off or their head getting smashed. It's, yeah. you know, it, it's it, it's humans, but it just it really doesn't do it for me. I'm just like, eh, that that kind of yeah. spectacle is just a bit much for me. No, I hear you. I, I like Hostel. I like Hostel One. I, I think Hostel One is a very it, it's a lot more intelligent than people give it credit for, and it has a it has a smart main character which I really like. Like he's not a complete moron. Which is kind of fun. Uh, and Hostile Part 2, it, it has its moments, and it kind of turns the whole series on its head a little bit. I just bring up the Hostile stuff because apparently we're getting a new, like, deception game, and I'm all for that. Like, there's, like, a mobile deception game coming uh, out yes. or something. Like, I, yep. yeah! Never Wait, got what? to play those games. Yeah! Kagero? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I... Other than that one new story yeah, posted, I don't know anything a, about that series. There What's were that? three of them. There were, um... Deception 1, 2, and 3 were for PS1, and then there was one on PS2 called Trapped. Yes. T-R-A-P-T. Oh, I remember and that. I mean, I remember the game. I don't remember it. Yeah, they're kind of weird. But, we I mean, they're definitely very unique. When are we getting the next one? Is it, is it like a mobile game, or what? what is it exactly? I didn't really look into it. Ah! I want to know! Like I said, I'm too, I'm too squeamish these days. Like, I, I used to be really uh, okay with everything when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot more sensitive to violence. So, uh, what did you say it was? Kagero? Yeah. Alright. <clears throat> Isn't that Dragonfly in Japanese? Uh, I think so. No. Kagero Project? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, okay, would you I'll, like some news? I was yeah, going to say yes, but now I'm not sure. It's Mayfly or Heat. Oh, okay. Or an Ephemeroreptoran. I was close. I was close. Alright, so have some news. Um, first of all, Square Enix, they cray cray. Because they announced, 
Well, they are. They 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 announced Final Fantasy Agito, which is curiously um, a new like iOS Android game that is based off of Final Fantasy Type Zero, which used to be called Final Fantasy Agito Thirteen. So this new game, Final Fantasy Agito, is a uh, it's a game set in the world of Final Fantasy Type Zero in the Suzaku Peristylium Magic Academy, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, they uh, it's like a it's supposed to be more lighthearted than Type Zero. It is a turn-based sort of uh, RPG, and it is meant to have... It, it shows the students... Excuse me. <coughs> I'm dying over here. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. That's what I get for trying to eat a sandwich while you guys are talking. So uh, it follows the students through their school lives, and you get to create a character at the beginning of the game that you use. And yeah, so it's actually... Um, Hajime Tabata did say that it was definitely being localized for English audiences, although that doesn't necessarily mean it will be published, but it would be stupid not to, like if they're going through it. So yeah, uh, it's going to be coming out in North America pretty much for sure. And then supposedly if this does well, then they want to bring Type-0 out here also. Hopefully they do. Cool. But it's actually like a, it's it's a 3D, like it looks similar to Type-0 in terms of graphical style. Like it's the same... Same kind of 3D character models and full 3D exploration and stuff. So <clears throat> it's going to be free to play. So you the the thing that limits you is basically like every time you do a mission, your action power decreases and you have to wait for over real time for it to recharge like other free to play games. So uh, they supposedly they want to balance it so that you can beat it without having to ever pay dollars. But I don't know. Can anyway, if it, if it paves the way for Type-0, I'm fine with it. Exactly. Um, hey, Square Enix, that game looks really cool. Type-0, get it over here. Schnell. Yeah, so that's the thing. In so addition... I'm sure there's a lot of people that listen to the show from Square Enix. So no. uh, I doubt it. I'm, I'm joking. Yeah, yes. I wish. <laughs> so, uh, Project Destati was recently announced, and uh, the, preview, or the premiere EP was released. Project Destati is a Kingdom Hearts reorchestration... Uh, music project kind of thing and steven knows all about it but the first ep was just released it's called project to study awakening and it has five tracks of uh reorchestrated slash arranged music from the entire kingdom hearts series steven what else uh, do you know about it uh well for starters if you like kingdom hearts music just go buy it it's awesome it's three freaking dollars uh but it is the tracks are not necessarily just what they're named because, for example, there's another side, but they've worked in tracks from Organization 13. Like, basically, there's more than just the five tracks represented in name in the songs. So it's a lot of really, really skillful arrangement of many favorite Kingdom Hearts songs. So uh, I have a review forthcoming on that, but it is really good. And for $3, it's, it's 18 really good minutes of music. Uh, so get it. And then they have their... Uh, they're gonna be the all the money they make off of this is being put towards their first full album, which will be out. I think they said spring of next year. So there is more to come. Yes, they uh, they intend on being rather comprehensive. Most excellent. Also, and we'll, we and we'll hopefully have them on the music podcast sometime in the future, but we'll see. I hope so. Yeah, that'd be good. So moving on, we've got a release date finally for Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Dual Destinies. That is Phoenix Wright 5 for objection. all y'all not paying attention. There is no objection to this. Uh-oh. It comes out in uh, October. And I think 
know, our new story that we ran didn't have a specific date, but I'm pretty sure it is October 25th. That's what I heard. I don't know if that's speculative or not, but so finally more Phoenix Wright is coming out. Looks really good. Yay. Yay, Phoenix Wright. Blizzard is closing down the real money and gold auction houses for Diablo John, 3. John, John. I kind of can't believe it. Like, I really, I didn't think they would. It's a pretty big deal for them to come out and just be like, yeah, we screwed up. We're going to remove them. Because basically their, their reasoning is that having those auction houses diminishes the value of, or, you know, it, it makes the point of Diablo, which is getting loot, like, it eliminates the point, really. It's like, I can just pay to have the best stuff. And then so what do you do with it, right? Right. So, right. like, well, yeah, exactly. Like, what happens then? And they make a... I mean, Inferno Mode is a brick freaking wall. I mean, the game is so much fun, and then you hit Inferno Mode, and now the only way to progress is if you get the absolute best equipment to raise your stats enough to where you're doing enough damage and you can survive enough. Uh, that's unless you're playing the Demon Hunter, because the game is a one-hit kill if you're playing as the Demon Hunter when you get to Inferno Mode, which is terrible. Uh, but it's it, I, it, to get the best weapons, it's like a point zero 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 one percent drop. So you go onto the auction house, and so it's just effectively broken the game. Like when I played through Diablo one and Diablo two, I got through all three difficulty modes without ever having to trade equipment. You know, it was hard, but I, there was always new stuff dropping. I think Dragon's Crown actually does a really good job with their loot drops and keeping the progression up and keeping you getting more and more powerful and every once in a while you find something really awesome and Diablo 3 just doesn't do that in its current state and with the loot 2.0 thing they seem to really want to fix that and getting rid of the real money auction house and the gold auction house it's a good idea I am still nervous that now that the main reason why they did all this, they say, and I'm going to take them at their word, is because they wanted to curb all of the crap that was going on with you know, gold farmers and people going online and selling equipment through third-party means. I think you're going to see that again. So I don't know. Maybe they have a better idea of how to protect users. I really don't know. Well, I just I hope that it works out. And this, you know, this is going to be introduced. Um, I think the auction houses are shutting down in March 2014. Is that which, correct? Yeah, which kind of says that that's when we should be looking at Reaper of Souls. Or Reaper of Souls, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's I think it's pretty safe to assume that Reapers, Reaper of Souls is coming out in March, and that's a pretty good turnaround for the expansion. I mean, they only announced it what like a month ago. That's not bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty recently. So. And I, they're going to do multiple expansions, let's be honest there. I think they, they have their model out for uh, World of Warcraft. They're going to do multiple expansions. Uh, we're yeah. going to see more characters. We're going to see more. Uh, they Some people already data mined uh, some of the information to figure out what the new skills are for the character classes. So let's see. What I'm about not... getting as a wizard? Uh, probably more stuff that blows people up real good. Perfect. It seems yeah. like they still refuse to give the Demon Hunter some sort of escape method because the the, uh, the Demon Hunter is just a mess when you get to Inferno. And I don't understand how anybody could play that game on hardcore as a Demon Hunter. It's like one mistake and you're just dead. I don't understand anyone can play that game on hardcore. I don't have the time to spare. Oh my god. And you can oh, die. Congratulations. All of your effort is now gone. You lagged out. Yep. Okay, yeah. Derek. Sorry. Yeah, no thanks. So, uh... Final Fantasy XI, XIV, and Dragon Quest X are all teaming up for a really steamy three-way. They're going to have a crossover content between all three games, which is unprecedented as far as Square Enix stuff goes, I think. Um, in Final Fantasy XI, there will be Slimes from Dragon Quest and Spriggans from FF14. Which are the Dragon... most bizarre-looking thing ever. Yeah, they're like, they're like dust bunnies that are obsessed with ore, so they just carry yeah. around little rocks. 
and they look like they're just a rip in your monitor because like they're such a dark shade of black that yeah. and they just have like a face on them so they look bizarre yeah so there's those and then in dragon quest 10 uh shantoto the laughing taru taru and uh, moogle are going to be appearing and then probably most importantly in Final Fantasy XIV, Shantoto from Eleven and Golems from Dragon Quest are going to be appearing. Oh, cool. Um, and in fourteen, um, there are going to be special limited time fates where you fight a gigantic Shantoto and gigantic Golems. And <laughs> if you win, you get minions of both. There's like a little chibi Shantoto and a chibi Golem that will follow you around if you earn them. So that's kind of cool. I would be and- very, very interested to see what the Dragon Quest Ten numbers were post final fantasy 14 launch yeah i don't know like it's just they're feel, so different i really i i hope that comes out here still in on pc because i don't i mean i'm not going to stop playing 14 anytime soon but i want to try it i can see that they're two very different games but i feel like there's a lot of cannibalism there yeah. like that that to me was not well the way i look I at it is it. you really i mean if you're playing either of them heavily you can't play the other yeah. Right, that's what I mean. Is like that. So, so. But on the other hand, you have to imagine I have no interest in Dragon Quest, and you have to imagine they're so different thematically. Right. That I don't really feel like they're cutting in on each other's business because I mean, I don't know. I I view it as kind of. And then again, Final Fantasy fourteen did technically come out before Dragon Quest ten, and then they rebooted it. So there's a lot of things, but I do, I don't know. I I think it would be like if Blizzard released their new MMO, like, four years into World of Warcraft, wouldn't we all have been saying, like, that's kind of cannibalism? Like, World of Warcraft can continue to make you money at a pretty good rate. You don't even need the new MMO right now. Like, why why even dump resources into something if you're going to have the same number of players regardless? Well, honestly, that's why I think they scrapped their new MMO, like, work they had done. Because they were like, we have no reason to do this right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. know. Moving on to my final piece of news today. Um, Most excite or most importantly, probably of all these things, I know I'm frothing at the mouth over here. I might not sound like it, but I'm really excited. Um, Atlas is teasing something, and it's a website that's really red, and it has a countdown for November 24th at 8 p.m. I'm sorry. Yeah, 8 p.m. Well, I I guess whatever time that is. And um, it has the Persona Team logo on it. So, and it's it's on the Persona, like, web ring site. It's like p-ch.jp, I think. And, yeah, so everybody thinks they're teasing Persona 5. So that would be really exciting if they were. We have no idea. Like, there are absolutely no details um, other than I discovered if you go to that website and you click on those boxes, they shake. Um, but interestingly, on the same <laughs> day that they... Yeah, because that's relevant, right? Uh, on the same day that they released that website... at almost the exact same time they released some more details about the persona 4 arena like update slash 1.5 slash sequel kind of thing what's it called it's called persona 4 ultimax ultra suplex hold and it's <laughs> wait the is greatest... that really what it's called yes yes and if you go to I the website that was just first, like an internet joke <laughs> no that's what it's called ultimax Wonder. the ultimax ultra suplex hold and it's got a picture of igus uh suplexing narukami it's pretty awesome but uh they they showed off like they made a website for it and they uh, showed more footage of Yukari and Junpei from Persona 3 who were added to it, as well as a third new character whose name is uh, Sho Minazuki I think, and 
he has a it's only it's notable because it came out at the same time as this persona five teaser and he has really bright red hair that's like the exact same shade as persona five or you know the supposed persona five teaser site yeah i'm looking at him right now yeah so so it's being speculated that he may be a persona five character but i mean we have no way to know he he also, it's more likely that he's relevant to the plot of Persona 4 Arena because it ended on um, not really a cliffhanger, but like it was really clear that they needed to make a sequel to resolve the story. So he's hmm. probably involved with that. But Well, if he is involved with Persona 5, too, uh, one argument I heard that was a little out there, but it works. Persona 3's theme was blue, primary color. Persona 4's right. theme, yellow, primary color. Last primary color is red. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm very, I, I kind of have battered housewife syndrome over here where I'm kind of like, I want to be really excited that it's Persona 5, but I'm also like skeptical. Yeah, I will, I will be the first one to lose my mind if it's Persona 5. I will go crazy. I, I will go all selfie on a train on this show. But like, trains, trains, trains. <laughs> train, train, take we'll me away. Po- we'll just post the next episode and it'll just be us going, <gasps> and then <laughs> Uh, it's not going to happen until November, yeah, but I, but I'm I'm just I, I don't know I, like we've had so many close calls with Persona Five and them yeah. dancing around it. I'm like just just well, announce the damn thing already. We, we know for sure that they're working on it. You know, like they've said several times, and this is an Atlas site that has the Persona team's logo on it, so it's it has to be Catherine. something Persona related. It's going to be Catherine uh, too. Uh, <laughs> nope. It's it's going to be Persona Kart Racing. If it's yes, I hope what they do is they troll everybody and say it's Catherine too, and then like 24 hours later they just got. Nah, we're just kidding. It's percent. Yeah, you know. Do you remember (laughs) when I would play um, Catherine too? I would. I would too. No. Do you remember when Atlas um, was teasing? It must have been late 2000 2011. Um, when they were teasing, they were like, "We have an announcement coming. It's a game that starts with G. Ooh, what could it be?" And everybody was like, "Oh my God, is it Grolanzer? Is it Grolanzer? Is it Grolanzer?" And they just kept going on. They were like, it's the fourth in a series. It's It's got a G and an N in the name. And people were like, oh, my God, is it Grillanzer? Oh, my God, is it Grillanzer? And so, like, they trolled everybody because they kept releasing these little tidbits day by day. And they were like, it's Gungnir. Apparently, it's a Pokemon. Who's that game? It's Gungnir. Gungnir. <laughs> anyway, so, like. So they, they were like, it's Gungnir, it's a PSP RPG. And everybody's like, ah. Oh. And then 24 hours later, they were like, JK, we're doing Grillanzer also. <laughs> I hope like, they do that. Uh, you guys should really take a Catherine too. Yeah, why not? It yeah, was cool. Catherine was a puzzle was really game. Story. It's awful. As a puzzle game, it's terrible. As a puzzle game, it was pretty good. On, a, mm-hmm. on hard mode, it was a little silly. I would say it's it's frustrating. Like I got mad at it a few times, but I enjoyed the experience of playing it. And I thought the narrative was pretty cool, except for the the ending. Like, sucks. I, I hate to pull the rob, but yeah, like there's when they reveal what's like you know the villain or whatever, you're like really. Come on. Yeah, I was kind yeah, of into it for a while. I, I just think that a puzzle game, it, it gets to our whole conversation. Like, I, I know if Dave was on the show right now, he would be very much like, oh, I love, you know, games that throw new interesting things at me and it's not predictable. But there were moments playing Catherine, which were just like, wow, I can't win. Like, and it was through no fault of my own. It was like some of the YouTube videos are like, now you're going to have to really hope that you get this power up right here. And I'm like, oh, that's awful. That's really and and the boss battles were terrible. The boss battles were not fun at all. I think easy on that game was pretty good, but normal was terrible and hard was good god why. <laughs> like yeah, well, 
Yeah. yeah, the trophies for Catherine are like ridiculous. Yeah, I, I remember looking at them and being like, "Oh God, no, never." It was kind of cool when you could figure out some of the like advanced techniques for getting up the pyramid, though. Like that—that that was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. That. Anywho, uh, yeah. that's why I should get a sequel so they can refine it. Yeah, but would you rather have that or Persona Five? Persona Five. Yep. Yeah, a few things get my blood pumping more than like Persona Me. or Steven or Falcom. Can we get another See? Tactics Ogre? That's what I want. Or another Final yeah. Fantasy or, Tactics. Yeah, or, or anything Matsuno. Yeah, anything yeah. Matsuno. Well, we're getting oh. something Matsuno, but somebody needs to let Matsuno team up with Yoshi P and make anything. I don't care what it is. Yeah, Yoshi we... Uh, All right, that's okay. it for news. All right, cool beans. So, uh, yeah, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully we can get back into the regular swing of things. I, I think school has calmed down a little bit, so... Yeah, I want to do definitely more recordings and want to keep uh, the show going. As always, make sure to subscribe to us on the uh, iTunes website. Like corrupt uh, digital distribution platform of choice. Yes. Uh, also, make sure to subscribe to us through the RSS feed. Give us ratings on iTunes. I'd really like to break 60 by the end of the year. Yes. Please, uh, please, please, please. Those reviews mean a lot to us. Yep, we say yep. that every episode, but they really do. Like, I check, you guys, okay? I load up iTunes every couple days, and I'm like, I wonder if anybody reviewed it. And I read it, and I smile, and it makes my day. And I sit there sipping a cup of coffee, and I'm like, today is a lovely day because, you know, DrewMeister12 at AOL.com said that our podcast is good. The reviews only mean a lot to me if you guys fall on an even number or on every other 10. So, like, if you're the 70th review, I care about you. But if you're 63... Just, just go. Ouch. Okay, Ouch. don't listen to Steven. Please review us, and we appreciate it. We love <laughs> Yeah, we love all. I, I love everybody as opposed to Steven. Uh, and we got a lot of games coming up here. I know there's going to be a lot of excitement when the new Legend of Zelda comes out on 3DS. We are going oh, to oh. Yes. Yeah, That's like my most, that soon. is probably my most anticipated game of the holiday season. Now, uh, East, you have a Vita now. East Celsetta. Come on, man. Uh, I think my most anticipated game right you... now. My most anticipated game right now is Patch 2.1 for Final Fantasy 14. But oh, yeah. That uh, could very a, well be. As an actual game, yeah, there's some... That's well, Zelda. you know what, Rob? It's okay that you don't want to play East, because that means I'll get it for myself. Well, you go right ahead. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, make sure to do all that stuff that I told you to do, and we will see you all next time. Is that what you do in class with your students? Hey, do all that stuff I told you to do. See you uh, yeah. next week. Yeah, all that homework I gave you, just make sure you get it done by tomorrow. Uh, Rob assigns homework. And then he just hurls a whiskey bottle across the room. You hurl the whiskey bottle at your students? You Figure out that vector. Figure out that vector, you stupid kids and your physics. <laughs> <laughs>